message title today is called You Have to Start Somewhere. So I'm going to just ask you to join me in a prayer and we'll spend a few minutes just in the word. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you want to speak to us. Thank you want to you want to propel us into a great future and that that somewhere where we have to start is right here, right now. And so we pray you'd encourage us and strengthen us as we look for the future in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you know everything starts somewhere? Everything. You know, it was one day, this fact, I was talking to someone today, they remembered tobogganing down Kearney Hill, and they said there was a, just a swamp outside here, a slough. And uh, they would try to reach the slough with their toboggan. That was the game. You know, Prince George was never, wasn't here one day. Someone decided this would be a great place to live, and they... they uh, they pitched a tent, or they built a building, or whatever, right? And uh, uh, Gateway Church, you know, one day this was just a dream in someone's mind. It was, was not here. There was no buildings. There was no people. Uh, it was just a dream that God planted in someone's heart. Uh, your education started somewhere. It started with you counting peas on your plate. You know, your mom was trying to force them down your throat. You know, one, you know, you just got to eat three, two, you know. And you, you were counting. You were learning. Uh, then you went to preschool and you went to kindergarten, you know. And you think back to those days when, when uh, a success was just to get through the day without peeing your pants, right? And uh, here you are. Isn't that a good thing? You didn't pee your pants today. We wouldn't have congratulated you, but we're glad you didn't. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Jalissa when she was born. She was born in a little town called Wolseley. Jalissa's my youngest daughter, my youngest child. And uh, the thing about the town where she was born in Wolseley, Saskatchewan, uh, was that no babies had been born in the hospital there for many years. Many, many years. There was no babies and everybody that was having a baby drove into the city. Uh, they drove into Regina to have the baby. And, they, and Grenfell got a new doctor, which was the next town beside Wolseley. And he worked out of the Wolseley Hospital. And he couldn't convince anybody to have a baby there. There was just no way. He's a young guy. Uh, he had lots of experience delivering babies. But, but nobody trusted him. They all drove into the city. And, and one day, my wife... That rebel, she came along, and she was expecting, and she said, I want the doctor to deliver my baby in the Wolseley Hospital. I, I'm going to do something different. You know, something sometimes just has to start somewhere. And Jalissa was born in the Wolseley Hospital. You know that day, I can remember it, she just popped out. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. But she came out, she, uh, she was gooey. She was red. She was screaming. <laughs> and I'm glad she's not like that anymore. I'm glad she's not like that anymore. She's a beautiful woman. She's a fantastic woman. She's an influencer and, and a great lady. And, and uh, after that day, there was many babies born in Wolseley, Saskatchewan, in the hospital, all because something had to start somewhere. You know, sometimes things that start are insignificant. And sometimes people don't even notice when they're starting. Out of nothing, out of nowhere, out of a mess, good things, great things can rise up. 
out of your life. Started insignificant, started small. Something great can rise up. I want to say to you today that this is a day of new things for you. This isn't just a day to celebrate. This is a day of new things, a new future for you. You know, Nehemiah in the Bible, uh, I said we were preaching out of the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah had a huge problem. He saw the mess his country had been had been uh, destroyed. The city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. The walls had been knocked down. They had been burnt. And the only thing that he saw was a pile of burnt rubble. That's what he had to work with. But God used Nehemiah to turn the ashes of his past into a new reality. That's what he wants to do in us. It doesn't look possible at first. Most people can't even see any hope. Everyone is negative. Ever talk to people that are negative these days? It just seems to be all around us. There's so much negativity. Everyone is negative in Nehemiah's day. But God wanted to reverse the polarity. He wanted to turn their negative into a positive. And that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to reverse the negative situations, the negative outlook or potential that we might see and turn it to a positive. But it has to start somewhere. And this is where the story of Nehemiah begins. This is where the story of rebuilding begins. And for you graduates, this is a day of new beginnings. You're embarking on a new time of your life. Your future might not seem clear, but what you do see and what you do see in your future may seem small. I want you to remember this, that everything has a beginning. Everything. I had a beginning. <laughs> I was just a gooey, red, screaming baby one day. You know, my dreams were a beginning one day. When things begin, they tend to look small or insignificant, and it's hard to see their potential. And this is what we know about people. People tend to be a bit skeptical. You know, in 2007, which for old people like me isn't that long ago, for you graduates, I know 2007 is probably the year you were born, but the iPhone was, in, was released in year 2007. And you know what people thought about the iPhone? They were skeptical of the iPhone. They said the iPhone is going to be irrelevant. It's going to be a novelty item at best. They thought the virtual keypad was a sure loser. Huh? What, what have we got today? Almost half of all the people in the world own an iPhone. Isn't it amazing? How people can be so skeptical. That's how people, we're natured as being skeptical. When things begin, people are going to push back and they're going to be skeptical. Another thing that we know about people is that the rubble of our past holds us back. There's no one more aware of our failures, our weaknesses, our mistakes than we are ourselves. In fact, I was talking to someone this week and they said, you know what, sometimes when I walk into a group of people, I think they know everything about me. 
I think they know all of my mistakes, all of my failures, all the things that I've done wrong. And that's where I start with that group of people. Sometimes we, we are held back by our past. It's like we sabotage ourselves. It's like we, we limit our own success, our own destinies. Well, this is what the Bible says what God thinks about you. In Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, God doesn't start with your mistakes. God doesn't start with your failures. God starts with your potential, right? What does God think about your future? Well, one of the benefits of having a relationship with the Lord is that he doesn't have the limitations that we have. Habakkuk 1 verse 5 says, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. You know, if God told you what he was going to do or could do in your life, you know what Habakkuk said? You wouldn't even believe it. That's what God wants to do in you and through you. That's the potential. That's what God thinks about your future. And when Nehemiah started his journey, he faced the same limitations that you and I face. This is what we can learn from him, that we have to start somewhere, right? We start with what we got. Nehemiah wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a, an official. He wasn't a building contractor. He didn't have a formal position. But what he had was an encounter with God, and his passion level rose up, and he saw something needed to be done. And this is what qualified him for the job. He saw something that needed to be done. I'm just believing that God is going to show some of you what needs to be done. You're going to have something burning in your heart. You see, hey, there's a problem that needs to be solved. There's a situation that needs some hope. There's a person that needs to be told they're loved. There's a situation that I could get involved in. Because when we see it, that's what qualifies us to start to begin to solve that problem. And that's what happened with Nehemiah. He encountered God, and God sent him on that journey. He saw something needed to be done, and he said, it might as well be me that does it. Three ways I want to talk to you tonight about getting started on the future. Number one, number one, if you're not writing these down, they're going to be recorded, and you can look back at them if you really want to. Number one, engage the potential of faith. You know, one of the greatest enemies of faith is apathy. Apathy is indifference. It just says, I don't care. <sighs> Tell someone who cares. You know, that's apathy. It's a complete lack of response to what's going on in your surroundings. It comes because we feel like we have no ability to affect the future. You know, Nehemiah had become apathetic. The people of Nehemiah's day had become apathetic. The problems and discouragement that they faced were so huge, they felt like they could do nothing to change them. You know, we can also feel this way about our future. How can we shift 
out of apathy. Well, one of the greatest enemies of apathy is faith. Faith is an enemy of apathy. You know, getting mad at someone and shaking them and slapping them, that is not going to shift them out of apathy. Faith is going to shift them out of apathy. That God could help me do something. That we could see something change because God stepped in. You know, Nehemiah, it says in uh, Nehemiah 2, verse 12, it says, God put it in his heart. You know, your faith is more powerful than you know. When something that God puts in your heart is there, you can hold on to it. You can walk in some strength. You can get some courage because of it. You can be unusual. When you take a step of faith, when you obey God, when you're filled with the Spirit, you get Spirit-led boldness, and it can have an effect on your life and your future, and it can also have a rippling effect on others. In fact, it says right here in chapter 2 of Nehemiah in verse 6, that Nehemiah asked the king for permission to go and rebuild the wall. And it says, then the king with the queen sitting beside him. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him. I never even ever noticed that in the Bible before. That king with the queen sitting beside him. You think, well, that's where the queen should sit, beside the king. Well, you know who the queen was? The queen was Esther. Esther was the girl who was a nobody that God gave her the courage to marry the king. To stand up and say, you know what, I'm more beautiful than any other girl in the land. And she kind of marched in there and went into the Miss Universe contest and won. And she won the king's heart. And there she was sitting beside the king. She had saved the nation of people from certain doom. A little, little lady. She rose up. She said, you know what? God could use me. If no one else will do anything, it'll be me. And here was Nehemiah standing before the king. And I'll tell you, I know who Nehemiah saw. Not just the king. He saw Esther. And he said, if God can work in Esther's life, if God could answer Esther's prayer, if there could be a miracle that nobody else would believe even if they were told it, he could do it to me too. And you know what? Nehemiah asked the king for an impossible, impossible request. He said, would you help me? Would you send me letters? Would you give me permission? Would you send people with me to help me? And all those things. And you know what? The king said, yes. We want you to go. Faith can have a huge, powerful effect. You know, gateway, because of your faith, because of your faith, we're doing this right now. You know, several months ago, when we launched Gateway Church Live, which is our, our online church, there wasn't a lot of fanfare. In fact, there was a lot of skepticism. People wondering, what are you doing? But today, after we've had almost 11,000 people in church in the last four months, nobody's asking that question anymore. What are you doing? Church, you shattered apathy. You rose up and said, we want to touch people's lives. We want to be unusual and different. 
And you know what happens when you do that? People are encouraged to have faith and to try new things. And people's lives are impacted. And God's spirit begins to work in them. And our enemy apathy is destroyed by faith. Number two, embrace the power in working together. Nehemiah rallied the people around him in the vision God had given him. He just didn't try to do it himself. He brought others along. And this is what he said to them in Nehemiah 2 verse 20. He said, the God of heaven will give us success. I love positive people. He said, you know what? God is going to help us. We're going to win this. We're going to win in this uh, endeavor. Who are the people around you? Well, they're your family, your friends, your co-workers, you know, your teachers, your church, the people that were saying to you, you can do this. You know, when the, I saw the grads coming in tonight, I said out loud to some of the moms, I know that you had a big part in this. I congratulated a lot of the moms because I know, I know that there's power in working together. On our own, we can't do as much. And the people Nehemiah if, of Nehemiah's day, they weren't doing anything. They had all fallen into apathy and they would all gotten discouraged. They had all failed. But Nehemiah rallied them and said, you know what? We can do this. God will help us. He will surely help us. He will give us success. And what was their response in verse 18? It says, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. That's what they did. They began the good work. What who are the people in your life? What are they? Those are the people that are going to help you on the mission that God has given to you. Don't dismiss them or give up on them, but inspire them to what God can do. Okay, graduates, let's inspire one another. Parents, let's continue to inspire. Let's not give up on people. You know, Carla and I have chosen to work with as many young people as we can over the years. In fact, I was thinking about it this week. Dozens and dozens of young people have been summer interns and summer students and student pastors and, and team. And some of you might have even worked with us in this summer. Some of you doing some crazy jobs and all kinds of different stuff. You know, there was times I literally thought to myself, you know, it would be easier to do this myself. Or I could do this better myself. But we've been committed to putting our time and energy into other people. Why? Because in the end, we can accomplish way more when we do things together. In fact, I remember one summer we had about a dozen young people on a team with us. And we saw over 200 people give their lives to Christ. Isn't that amazing? Over 200 people gave their lives to Christ. Young people leading other young people to the Lord. I was just so excited uh, even just remembering that this week. And you know, right now there's been a tremendous attack on the church and on our generation. I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not afraid uh, of what is going to happen. In fact, I'm enthusiastic about what God wants to do in us and through us as a church. But it's not going to happen just by Carla and I. You know, we can preach our heads off. We can work our hearts out. 
It's going to take working together. We got to be in this together. Young people, we need you. We need you to engage in your faith. We need you to dream bigger dreams than we dreamed. We need you to be radical for God and believe for things to change in our community. We need it to get loud and messy in our church because young people love Jesus. And parents, we need you to engage. There's an attack on our church. There's an attack on the family. We don't need you to sit back in a safe place. We need you to fight for the church. We need you to fight for your kids. We need you to engage. And older ones, we don't need you to dream about going on a cruise. We need you to get on your knees and believe for God to move in our generation again. We need to see a move of God. We need to reach our city for God. And we're not going to do it by playing it safe. We're not going to do it by being cautious. We're not going to do it by waiting for someone else to pick up the torch. God has to put a dream in your heart. And you're going to have to step out with faith and courage and say, you know what? I want to work together. I want to see this dream come true. And number three, and then I'm done. Experience the hope of redemption. Nehemiah 2 verse 17, he says, you see the trouble we're in. (laughs) Man, that's a word for us today, eh? Trouble all around us. Unless you go to Canadian Tire, there's no trouble there. Anybody can go in there. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. For some of us, we feel like we have a past, the, our past has limited our future. We've made mistakes. We've got stories that we're ashamed of or regrets or whatever. And we think, oh, I don't even know if God loves me anymore. I don't even know if I, I could even admit some of the things that I've got going on in my life. I'm ashamed or whatever. The mistakes we've made, the choices we regret. Those things are like burnt ruins in our lives. Broken family, maybe. I, have a, I had a broken family. I grew up with divorced parents and, and broken situation. Financial crisis in families. Moral failure. Addiction. Selfishness. Apathy. All kinds of things go on in our lives. And in the story of Nehemiah, his enemies used those very things They pointed out to the burnt ruins and they said, look at these things that you got to deal with. He said, you're never going to see this thing come to pass. And they asked this question, can they bring these stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? (laughs) You know, the devil wants to look at your life, at your failures and your mistakes, and he wants to laugh at you and say it'll never amount to anything. Well, I have a a story for you. Isaiah 43, this is what God says. Do not fear. I have redeemed you, and I've summoned you by name. You are mine. You know, the enemy wants you to think of your failure. But God wants to redeem your failures and turn them into life. Like those stones, they ask, could those stones live again? Could your life live again? Could your dreams come alive again? I want to say to you, that's Jesus' plan for you. I want to close with you tonight. I'm just going to ask you to stand. We're going to say a prayer. I want to just quote this last verse 
Zechariah 4, verse 10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Let's get at it. We got a great God. We got a great God. We've got a powerful Lord, a faithful God. And he wants to work in your life, in your situations, in your dreams. Man, I'm just excited about the potential that you have in your life. So let's just pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you're calling us. You're calling us out of apathy into faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you even when we're apathetic. You don't give up on us. You just keep dreaming for us. There's hope for us. You keep calling us to life. You keep calling us to hope. You keep calling us to be accepted. You keep calling us to vision and strength. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray right now. I just want to invite you just to, you pray to the Lord yourself. I'm just going to pray and you pray in your own words, in your own heart. You don't have to say them out loud or anything if you're embarrassed. But Lord Jesus, I just want you to know I am hungry for your Holy Spirit to come into my life. I want to be, I want to be woken up like Nehemiah and give me strength and courage for new beginnings. The things that you dreamed you're putting in my heart, in my life, that I'd have courage to begin to step out in them. Lord, where I've had, uh, maybe had fear or, uh, or uh, uh, doubts or even just got apathetic and didn't even care anymore. Lord, just I just pray faith would come into my heart. Faith would come into my life. Strength would come into me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And for those that are watching today, maybe you've never opened your heart to Jesus before. I want to give you this chance. I want to give you this chance. This is your day. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's knocking and he's saying, I want to come into your life. I want to come into your heart. I want to walk with you in this in this life. I want to be strength to you. I want to be hope to you. I want to forgive you and wipe off those, those things that you regret from your past. And I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I am opening the door of my heart and I'm saying, come in. Come in, Jesus. Come into my life. I, I got nothing to hide from you. It's, it's a mess. So just come in. And Lord, I'm asking you to help me to clean up this mess. Lord, forgive me. Renew me. Bring order into my life, into my relationships, into my situations, my finances, all the th things that are going on in my life. Lord, I'm just asking for wisdom and grace and help in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just want you to know, I repent, Lord. I just repent of trying to do this on my own. And I'm asking you to forgive me and help me to walk in a new way with you, Jesus, from this day forward. Amen. Amen. God bless you.